in a nine-week mini-series of the fruits of the Spirit, and wasn't it a joy to hear from Steve Covell last week? What a blessing. And I continue to hear good report after good report of the way that God spoke through him, uh, spoke to all of us through him. And so for me, uh, it's such a joy to know that men like Steve are in this church who can bring the word faithfully and we can fully expect that the Holy Spirit's going to be speaking through them. Uh, Next week, I'm not going to be here, and so you're going to get the chance to hear from somebody else's preaching. Uh, Ross Pereira, one of of our elders, is going to be bringing the word uh, on kindness. And I've seen his manuscript, and I'm kind of bummed I'm not going to be here to hear it. But I'll listen online later. Anyway, uh, I'm excited for Ross to to come and bring you the word, and I know that you'll be just as blessed uh, hearing him speak. So, fruits of the Spirit, turn to Galatians 5 if, you're, if you've not already done that. And each week as we progress through the fruits of the Spirit, we see maybe even more profoundly how these fruits are all woven together. And today, as we look at the fruit of patience, I think you're going to see it even more. As I've said previously, fruit, as in fruit of the Spirit, is singular. You don't have nine different fruits. There are nine different virtues that are all being brought to you by the Holy Spirit as one fruit. As he works in your life, you a believer, as the Holy Spirit works in your life. So he's not giving patience to this person and goodness to this person. He's bringing them all into your heart as he dwells within you. So I've said that each week that I've preached. I think Steve even said it last week. Uh, But then somebody pointed out something very obvious that I just completely missed. Fruits, in the English, is the word that you can use singularly and in the plural. So look at all these different fruit. Look at that tree full of fruit. That's a lot of fruit. And here's this one fruit, you know, so you can use it both ways. Well, in the Greek, that's not the case. The word karpos for fruit, uh, it it takes a suffix that gets added onto the end of that to make it a a plural word. So there's just Carpos and carposes. That's the English version of the Greek. Um, so there's, there's not a, a way. The fruit is singular in the Greek. So it is one fruit that you're being given in the Holy Spirit, uh, and there are nine different virtues in the ways that that one fruit is being manifested. And nonetheless, even though that's the case, I'm going to be talking about the fruit as if they are, uh, the virtues as if they are different fruits. I'll be saying fruits when I'm talking about patience or or goodness, or whatever else, uh, just because we're very familiar with talking about them in that way. Now, patience. Patience. I think patience, at first, you pick that fruit up, and you, you take a bite of it, and it might not seem quite as sweet as love, joy, peace, Love, joy, and peace. These are the pillars of life, right? These are what we all want. These are how we want to exist. These are states of being, love, joy, and peace. We want to exist in these states, to have a deep peace within our souls, a a joy that cannot be shaken and that nobody can take, to be loved and to know that we are loved in the depths of our soul. That's what makes life worth living. We want that, coursing through every fiber of our being. And so when we consider patience, we know that it's, it's helpful to be patient. We, you probably want to be a patient person, but it doesn't seem to have the same profundity and power and significance as love, joy, and peace. Patience might seem smaller. Well, as I've chewed on patience and I've considered it more deeply over, these, over the past week and, and longer, I've been totally blown away by patience. I want all of us to realize the incredibly glorious power of patience. It is. It is mind-blowing. And that the Holy Spirit is working in you to produce patience. The divine effort in your heart, in part, is producing patience. So I'm going to 
I hope to take patience and unfold it in five different ways, five different categories, five different scenarios in which we need patience, in which God is working patience out in our hearts. And then in every one of those five categories, we see God revealing himself. We see a reflection of God or some great manifestation, reality of God. And it's amazing that it all comes through patience. Well, let's look at the passage I'm going to start reading in Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Let's pray. Every time we open your word, Father, we need your spirit to be moving. We will not understand it unless you give us understanding. We will not see it unless you open our eyes to see it or taste it unless you give us the capacity to taste. Father, give it this morning. Let no person walk out of here thinking that being patient is small and trite, but that in it are woven eternal realities and revelations of our very God and Father. Use my words... um, my feeble words, to speak this morning and use our sinful ears to hear. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Patience. What, what is patience? Patience is evidence of an inner strength. A certain unshakableness of the soul where you can endure any hardship, Any strife, any delay, any slight, all the while while you are entrusting yourself to the faithfulness, the goodness, the justice of our Father. You know, love, joy, and peace, amazing realities, incredibly desirable. We all want them. They're wonderful to experience them and know them. I don't know if you have felt, if you really know in your soul that the, the Almighty God loves you as his son or his daughter. What an experience to know that love. So love, joy, and peace, incredible experiences. Patience, though, that's needed because your love Joy and peace is under assault. Patience is needed because someone is not acting lovingly towards you. Because some circumstance is threatening your joy or peace feels more like war. So you need patience. You need patience because life just got hard. Patience exists because joy, love, and peace are under attack. Patience is the response to the attack. And you probably know all too well, every one of us knows all too well, that our love and our joy and our peace is constantly under attack in this world. And we talk about it all the time. It's a war. It's a battle. And so the way you respond to that battle is with patience. And when we realize that about patience, we begin to understand this incredibly powerful thing called patience. So I'm going to break it down, like I said, into five different categories. 
The Bible speaks of patience in five different ways, or in these five different types of scenarios, you need patience. And, and so we're going we're gonna to look at these in five different categories, five ways which your, which your love, joy, and peace face assault. And in fact, you really can't even understand patience unless you understand these five different ways in which your love, joy, and peace are being attacked. And the first one is long-suffering. The King James Version of the Bible will often translate patience as long-suffering. It's the same Greek word. And we're often translated as long-suffering. But it's not just any kind of suffering. It's a very specific kind of suffering where you are exercising patience because someone is intentionally mistreating you. Someone is intentionally mistreating you. Perhaps they are being overly sarcastic or condescending, and it hurts. Perhaps they mock you or they rebuke you for no reason at all. Perhaps they're spreading rumors about you. Perhaps they exclude you from some group of friends or from some sector of society. Perhaps at their hands you might, you might even be facing persecution. Patience, long-suffering, is the ability to endure these wrongs without growing resentful or bitter. Oh, how poisonous is bitterness. Patience is the ability to endure injustice without growing bitter. In fact, what is even more amazing, that in the face of injustice, spirit empowers you through patience to not just avoid bitterness, but to love the person persecuting you. Patience would cause you to love the persecutor and the wrongdoer. So that famous description of love in 1 Corinthians, Paul is listing what love is. You know the first thing he says? Love is patient. Love is patient. James gives gives us an example of patient love in the face of suffering. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Again and again, God sends prophets to Israel to bring them to repentance, to bring them into the favor of God so they might live in his promises. And again and again, Israel rejects them, rebukes them, throws them into wells and beats them and stones them and kills them. And these prophets patiently endure that injustice, that mistreatment, so they can proclaim the word of God and remain faithful to their creator. And these patient prophets, as James is saying, who remain steadfast, they are blessed. We regard them even now, thousands and thousands of years later, as blessed because they were patient, because they had long-suffering. But it really should bring us to the question, how can we endure mistreatment? How can we endure injustice? How is that possible? Isn't it weak to let people mistreat you and persecute you? Isn't it an injustice to let injustice go unpunished? It is. And every one of those questions finds its answer on a criminal's cross. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. It is not weak to patiently endure mistreatment. You know what's unimaginably strong? To have persecutors drive nails into his hands and wrench a crown of thorns into his skull, and then he prayed for them. 
knowing that he will die for their sins, for the persecution they are doing in that very moment. He will die for their sins. He will die for our sins in this room, even though he never deserved that. What patience Christ exercised on the cross. So when we suffer mistreatment, when we know that it's wrong and it should be dealt with, we first look at the cross where our Savior suffered suffered injustice for every wrong that we have committed. And then, like Peter said, we entrust ourselves to the God who judges justly. God says, I will repay. God will right every wrong, every injustice will find its end. And one day I look forward to preaching a sermon on that reality. Every injustice will find its end when God repays. And then we come to the matter of the faithfulness of God. We must entrust that God will repay, that he will deal with the injustice, that he will right every wrong. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Mind-blowing. We're going to come back to that verse. And trusting your soul to the justice and to the faithfulness of God will give you loving patience that you could endure any suffering, any intentional mistreatment of you, and you will not be broken. You will face mistreatment and you will not grow bitter because of the faithfulness of God. He will do it. Okay, the second category of patience is slowness to anger. Oh, and how powerful is this? So when we're mistreated, when we're persecuted, when somebody is causing an injustice against us, usually that's out of our control. Usually you can't do anything about that. But when somebody is provoking you and you are aroused to sudden anger, that's usually a situation where you have some authority, some relational power, something where you can do something about it. At least you think so. And so you respond, you react. Like... If you are a parent, (laughs) if you are a teacher, or an employer, or even a sibling, which I think I've got everybody now, the person on the other side of that power or on the other side of that relationship, if they provoke you, bam, anger! Response, swift and harsh. You cannot do that to me. I will not let you get away with it. Again, we must see the fountain of patience that is our God. Just after God delivers Israel out of Egypt, He feeds them, He gives them water. He cares for them. He reveals himself for them. And you know what they do? The first thing they do? They build a golden calf for themselves to worship. How stunningly provocative. They are provoking God in an an unimaginable way, just after he cares for them like this. And then, so they come out of Israel. God cares for them. They build the calf. Do you know what happens next? Almost immediately, God defines himself like this. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Is that not an amazing response from God? How patient is our God, though his people provoke him, though though we provoke him. Steadfast love that endures forever. Consider the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus gave to us. 
The servant owes this incredible debt to his master, like a 20 years worth of salary, so maybe $1.2 million. He, he owes this amount to his master, unable to pay it. The master calls him in and he, he demands payment, but he can't. Not even close, so he grovels and he begs, forgive my debts, or actually what he says is, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Well, the master knows this guy isn't going to pay him, but something stirs in his heart and he decides to give grace to this man, and he forgives all of his debts. And then that servant leaves his master's presence and goes out and bumps into somebody who owes him about $200. He strangles him and says, give me my money. And he says, I don't have it. And so this unforgiving servant is ready to throw him in prison. And when the master learns He takes that unforgiving servant and throws him in prison until he can pay everything he owes. This parable is about God's patience and forgiveness. And we find that patience and forgiveness go hand in hand. But when we lose our patience with somebody, with our child, with our spouse, with our co-worker, we are the unforgiving servant. When we respond in anger out of provocation, we are the unforgiving servant. And we must remember our God who in the face of provocation said, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So remember that when you're disciplining your child out of anger, God disciplines you out of his great love. Remember when you are quick to retaliate against the one who provoked you, how quick God is to forgive you. Remember when you're ready to shout at your spouse that God is ready to quiet you with his love, sinner though you be. Now, I'm not saying that provocation, being provoked, should, should go unanswered. It should be dealt with, or often it should be dealt with in a patient, in a godly way. And reactionary anger is not that way. Anger can happen in a flash, and it almost feels like it's out of our control. So don't we need the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit to give us patience in those moments? It is a miracle. It is a miracle. Remember your God who is slow to anger, who is patient with you, and who abounds in steadfast love. The third kind of patience is forbearance. This one's a miracle too. Because everybody is messed up. Patience, this is patience for people's faults and failures. I don't know if you've ever been around people before. But they are, or can be, irritating and uncomfortable and disappointing and even unintentionally insulting. Could be the driver in front of you. It was for me just the other day. It could be the person that has absolutely no self-awareness. Someone that was inconsiderate. They have an irritating habit. They constantly seek attention. You find yourself avoiding them. You have no patience with them. And this gets especially painful when it's within a close relational proximity, like a family or like a church. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This bond of peace that we have in the church, which Christ died to bring us into, which the Holy Spirit indwells us for, this bond of peace, we are to humbly put up with one another in order to maintain that bond of peace. We are to humbly put up 
with one another and be patient with one another. How quick we are to dismiss somebody who is irritating. And we means me too. Again, let us consider that unforgiving servant. Let us forgive the faults. He forgives them all. So let us be forgiving with our brother and sister as they display their faults and failures. And when it is time to confront a fault or or failure, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Four, waiting on God. Waiting for God's timing. God's timetable is not my timetable. I doubt it's your timetable. Perhaps your body is racked with pain or disease. Perhaps there's somebody that you deeply love. You've been praying for years that they would come to know Jesus. Perhaps there's this deep longing and you've asked God a thousand times to meet that need. Maybe a problem and it just won't go away. How long, O Lord? And the temptation to take things into your own hands can be strong. Think of Abraham. He wanted a son and his wife wasn't giving him one, so he slept with his servant. And the only thing that followed is sorrow and misery and disconnection. Or perhaps you might become discouraged because days stretch into years and years into decades and what is the point of praying like this anymore? Remember Hebrews 11. Name after name of people who are celebrated for their faith They faced adversity, they faced homelessness, they faced persecution, they faced loss, all while they waited on God to act, to deliver, to answer their prayers. God, do something. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. They were promised these things, and they never saw them, except from afar. They never got what they hoped for. They knew that their ultimate desires would never be realized in this torn and broken world, this world full of sin and pain, but their hope always rested in the God of their salvation, a faithful God, a merciful God. They knew his faithfulness would never be broken, that his love does endure forever. Remember that. Right hand are pleasures forevermore. They knew it. And so we remember them, as the church will always remember them, because of Hebrews 11. Now, God may give you what you desire. He might bring your child to Christ. He might heal you finally. And maybe that will never happen. But as years turn to decades and desires seem as far off as they ever have, then let us cry out with the powerful patience of the psalmist, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength, the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Wow, what powerful patience. And the fifth kind of patience is perseverance and endurance. And this is different. But it's not nice. Because this is patience that is only developed through pain. You will only grow in this kind of patience through hurting and suffering. There's no other way. Endurance is the ability to continue, though you face adversity, to progress through pain. It is the patience that endures suffering while working to do good. So remember what Peter wrote. 
Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Like Christ who suffered on the cross for sinners while accomplishing the greatest conceivable good for humanity, the redemption of our souls. Think of how Paul says this in Romans. We rejoice, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been pouring into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering and patiently enduring that suffering leads to character. Well, character means proven worth. Character means that you have have qualities of righteousness. And what do we know about a righteous person? A righteous person is full of good works. So to have character means that your life is produced of good works in the world around you. And that's produced through endurance. Patience like this is powerful. Powerful beyond reckoning. You know, so many people, and and we ourselves, I myself, we ask God, why? Why do you let these things happen? Maybe one of those answers is patience. Though you be beaten down by sickness, by provocation, by injustice, by persecution or trial, God will not let you be defeated. He will fill you with the fruit of patience that you might rise to do good works. And God does this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or like it said in Romans, The power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within you is pouring out God's love in your heart. Pouring it out. This is no trickle. This is a waterfall. A torrential downpour of God's love into your heart. So that you are filled with patience. Patience that you can suffer any wrongdoing, any injustice, and not be broken or embittered, a patience that's slow to anger and quick to love, a patience that can forbear any fault or failure, a patience that trusts in the faithfulness of God even though the years tick away, a patience to endure any suffering while resolved to go on doing good. Patience is powerful. But we, nobody in this room, is perfectly patient. But we wrestle for it. We want more of it. And I think the more we realize the power of patience, the more we long for the Spirit to birth it in us. You know, some, there is somebody here who wrestles. Well, many here who wrestle with pain and difficulty. We all do in some way. But I want to highlight... Drea, the wrestling that she endures, the patience that she's fighting for. Drea, would you come up here? And she's going to share with us about this wrestling, what God does, and I think we're going to get a sight of the the glory of God. I'm going to read some of this because I'll probably end up crying. (laughs) Um, No, it's okay. I don't need it, Sam. Um, When Fletch asked me to um, share on one of the fruits of the Spirit, I think it was actually a couple weeks prior, and that was on joy, but we were going to be out of of town, and then we came back, and he said, I want to talk to you. He said, I told Sam, I said, I hope he's not going to ask me to talk on the patience one. 
<laughs> and it's funny, you were just talking about road rage. I, I was going to ask for some audience participation. I was going to say, um, so who, who here is a parent? Raise your hand. Leave it up if you ever struggle with being patient with your kids. Who's married or has any kind of interpersonal relationship, family, friend, work, colleague, or otherwise? And now leave your hand up if you struggle with being patient with those people in your life. And then, again, the road rage. (laughs) I know you probably don't see that, but um, I grew up in Chicago where there's a lot of crazy traffic, a lot of crazy people. So who has a driver's license? Who has maybe lost their temper a little bit while driving? So Fletch told us what patience is, the five different kinds. The two I want to touch on is basically that immediate need for patience and that need for long-term patience. Um, One of the definitions I found for patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. comes from Latin, patientia, which which means which also gives us the word patient, referring to someone who is suffering from being sick or injured. So as I share about my journey with learning about patients, I want to touch on those two things. So first, I want to talk about that immediate need for patience. I'll be honest, and here's my confession to you. I may seem to have a grasp on patience, But I will in no way, shape, or form stand up here and pretend that I don't struggle with patience daily. As some of you might know, I occasionally substitute teach from pre-K all the way through high school. I can teach and keep my cool, even in a classroom of four-year-olds or five-year-olds, anywhere from 18 to 24 kids. I sub for the band and music teacher. Sometimes I have 60 kids, junior high kids, and I can keep my cool. However, sometimes on what I call a bad pain day, because I mean I really pretty much have pain every day, but on a bad pain day, lack of sleep, or sometimes just under life stress, I can completely lose my temper with my husband, Sam, and my daughter, Lydia. I'm not proud of that. And I won't make excuses for it either. I'll admit that I've even gone to therapy and counseling to try and learn tools to better deal with that. I mean, I've had things modeled for me. I won't say who in the, you know, my childhood, I, but I'm not going to blame that person either because I truly believe it is my responsibility for how I react, even in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain. And I talked to Lydia about this too. I think I just lost my place. Um, Because I know that parents mess up, I make a point to apologize to her when I know that I was wrong. I mean, there's justifiable anger, and I think we all know when you border, you cross that line and it's too much. And I say to her that just because someone is impatient with you or is unkind or yells at you, just because you're tired or in pain, there's no excuse to lose patience and let hurtful words come out of our mouths. And that includes mom. Patience can be difficult in the day-to-day, even very trying and painful situations. However, with God's help, I think, and prayer and practice, it's possible to do better. So let's talk about the long-term or long-suffering pain. I know Fletch touched on that. Um, I'm kind of grouping the long-suffering along with the waiting on God. I look at that as um, my long-term patience. This I set for myself really hits home for me. Um, I've always had this innate desire to plan and reach goals I set for myself. I used to have like a 10-year plan. Um, and when my efforts fail, I really struggle emotionally with that. You can even ask Sam over the last 20 years of being married. I have a tendency to plan down to the little nitpicky details, even when it comes to like a simple camping trip. I think I've driven him nuts a few times with that. Um... I wouldn't say that I've had to endure even close to the worst suffering in the world. I mean, I don't live in a third world country. I can feed my child. I feel safe. I haven't been abused myself. 
But I think in the last 20 or so years, I have had um, a very long time practicing this long-suffering kind of patience. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of highlight a little timeline for those of you that don't know me really well. Some of you know these things. I'm just going to try and whip through it. Um, And this is not to complain, because I try not to complain about my pain, and I try not to complain about what's going wrong. I try to focus on the blessings that God gives. But I just want to give you an idea of where I'm coming from. After high school, I planned to be a German and music teacher. I wanted to be a concert violinist and a professional singer. I used to practice three to four hours a day. Early 20s, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic pain, so that really didn't allow me to make my body do what I wanted it to do. Then I decided I wanted to be a doctor because I was seeing so many doctors, and I had a very good brain that I understood. I used to work for a doctor's office. I understood how things worked. I wanted to help people in that way because I'd been in pain. I wanted to be somebody that would listen and help. Um... I was able to get my bachelor's degree in pre-med in German with a minor in linguistics, so I was able to persevere through all that. But while I did that, here's what happened. I had my first low back major spinal surgery at 26 years old. Sometime after that, Sam left uh, for 10 months of Army duty. That was my last year of college. During that time, I was going through two to three years of them trying to figure out what else was wrong with me physically. A month after he came back, they diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis, just five months before graduating college. So I thought, okay, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to try physician's assistant school, which is like nurse practitioners, so it's a little less stressful, but I can still try and do what I want to do, what I felt like God was calling me to do. Two months after being, um, I was accepted to UDIS. Madison Medical School Physicians Assistant Program, one of 24 spots. Two months before I started school, I had to have surgery again on my neck. So this is spinal surgery number two in my, my 20s. I had to decline. They told me I would have to reapply. The next summer, I needed another surgery on my neck again. So this is three surgeries. After that, The MS started getting kind of worse, and I just decided that the stress of it wasn't worth it at this point. I couldn't push myself through it. Maybe God had something different for me. Here's where it becomes really kind of unfathomably difficult. During that third surgery, The neurosurgeon operating on me, the man that I trusted to fix me, placed a screw wrong in my neck, which later caused me to have neck surgery number four to repair the damages and allow me to not lose the function of this arm. That surgery happened when I was 22 weeks pregnant with Lydia. So needless to say, I really struggled long and hard to have long-suffering patience and also forgiveness for that surgeon instead of being angry and raging. After that, um, we dealt with Sam deploying to Afghanistan. It was an 18-month-long separation. He left the day after Lydia turned one. There I was raising a one- to two-year-old as a temporary single mother in pain. Found out one of my fusions had cracked and failed and that I needed surgery again when he came home. I broke my right ankle three months after he left. I was forced to be patient for little things like phone calls and emails from halfway around the world when Sam didn't even know when he would have a phone or email access. Then, halfway through, there was the Humvee rollover that Sam was in. That delayed his homecoming due to his injuries. And there were, we were both needing patience, uh, waiting for his homecoming. And then when we were reunited, we had to have patience for each other, requiring how to live together again, two broken people with a two-year-old. During the six months following his return, I required three surgeries, two of which was another repair on my neck and my ankle. And then, due to military job discrimination at Sam's job of 13 years, we had to 
look for a better job situation for him, and that's when we move halfway across the country here to New York, starting all over again, having to find new doctors, having to find new friends. We had to redirect so many plans that we made so, and hoped for. Nonetheless, these plans failed. We had to redirect, re- regroup, adjust so many times. And I'm glad that God provided during those times. He provided time and time again with every trial. He gave us a healthy, intelligent, compassionate little girl who we put together in my broken body. Even after we didn't think it was even possible, he's provided healing in many ways. And I'm not just talking through doctors and in many ways. He's given us friends and church like family. He's provided financially in ways that we didn't even know possible. So now this year, I faced spinal surgery number six in April, which most of you knew about, and on October 7th, I will have a seventh on my neck again. So I've been through a lot, maybe not as much as some, maybe more than some. I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not, a, it's not a game. The whole point is that how do we when things like this hit us, day-to-day and long-term, how do we deal with that? Here's just a few suggestions. Again, I am not very good at this at times. This is just what I try to do and I'm still working on. Praising God in the storm. I'm sure you've heard that term in music. Romans 12.12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So let's talk about prayer. We can pray for the situation that's happening right then, for the people that hurt you, prayer for what they might be going through and why they're hurting you, prayer for understanding. Even if we don't know why or what they're going through, pray that we have understanding for them. I try to redirect my mind to God's truth and help with regard to his plan for my future instead of focusing on my failures or what is stressing me. Romans 8.25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I try to be thankful and patient in my struggles because they have helped me understand other people and their suffering. I remind myself of this favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plan to give you hope and a future. And this one I can't take credit for. My wise mama always said, take it one day at a time. I used to roll my eyes at her when she said it. Take it one day at a time, and what I learned is later, sometimes it's even a couple hours at a time. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And lastly, here's a big one that I really struggle with. Be slow to speak, and with that, breathe. Because when you're breathing, you can't, you know. Take some deep breaths and think first. Ask God to help you be patient and think about what you want to say before you say it. Once it comes out, you can't take it back. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Finally, we just need to be like Jesus. If there's anybody that knows pain, that has known patience for humanity, look at Jesus. How did he treat people? How did he treat the people that sinned? How did he treat the people that tried to destroy him? How did he treat the people that hurt him deeply, both emotionally, physically? Even having this truth, growing up knowing God and having these tools, I'll be honest, I still many times cry out to God like David does in the Psalms, begging for mercy. Why more pain? Why more struggle? Can't I just get a break? With all the physical issues, I have to say I identify with Job sometimes. (laughs) Patient doesn't always come first. Sometimes pain, anxiety, depression, anger try to fight to take over. When the trials just keep coming and when the pain is never completely gone, how can I even begin to attempt to be patient on this earth? If I ask, I know God will give me the strength to endure and be patient at the same time. 
I know as I patiently wait, I will someday get to have a perfectly painless, not broken body in heaven. Do I think he can heal me on this earth? Sure, but I know it's coming sometime. I think it's safe to say that patience, short-term and long-term, are both often difficult if we only rely on our own strength. I know when I fail those around me by being impatient, it is important to ask for forgiveness and to ask God's forgiveness as well and to pick myself up again and try better next time. In closing, author Ryan Hart, who wrote on patience, I think said this well. It's difficult to accept suffering, let alone refrain from getting upset or angry in the process. But that is what makes patience such a special trait in God's eyes. Thank you for letting me share with you. Nobody thinks that saying what you're struggling through is complaining, especially when you have that mentality, Drea, not to complain, but to focus on the blessings of God. And you could hear that in everything she said, focusing on the blessings of God, focusing on the promises of God. Isn't that how, how we can get through anything? That's really the source of our patience. We know that God's faithfulness will never fail us. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus, just like Drea was saying. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We know him. We know that our Savior, our Christ, he will restore all things. He will unite all things. His glory will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That you will hear, you will literally hear his voice as he rejoices over you with singing. And he will indeed lead you into quiet places. Into still and besides still waters, the promised land still awaits, and you will grow, you will run and not grow weary, and he will wipe away every tear from your eye. These things are coming, and so as we patiently wait for these things to happen, we cry out the cry that the church has been crying for millennia Come, Lord Jesus. And until the day that God casts the need for patience behind us, we cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. He is coming. Father, give us patience as we eagerly await your return. As we eagerly await to feel your hand on our face wiping away the tear and to have our prayers answered. Give us patience in all things. Give us patience with one another where it can sometimes be the most challenging. Give us patience, Father. We pray these things in Christ's name and trusting ourselves to him. Amen.